This is The Audacious Career, a podcast and community for those of us who want more than just a job. I'm your host, Janelle Abrahami. I'm talking to folks who have made bold career moves and sharing insights and actionable takeaways from my decade of HR and career coaching experience to help you create a career that feels meaningful and meant for you. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the show. I want you to picture this. It is the summer of 2018, Brooklyn, New York, and D. Arthur has a great junior level job in HR at a very well-known company in New York City. They get an offer to join the recruiting team at a up-and-coming New York City startup, working with former colleagues of theirs from Google, and this would be their first big move up in the corporate world after college. However, later that very same day, Dee gets a phone call that no one ever wants to pick up. Their mother has stage four lung cancer. This episode unveils the story of how Dee declined the job offer they'd been waiting for for a long time, packed up a full life in Brooklyn, New York, and began what would become a three-year hiatus from full-time work to care for their mom in upstate New York. In this conversation, we get into the realities of what pressing pause on life as you know it really looks like, the creative projects that kept Dee afloat during such a difficult time as their mom's health was declining, and the unexpected relationship that came along and changed everything for them. Plus, Dee shares what they would have done differently earlier in their career to feel less behind now after taking unexpected time off of work. It's all in today's episode. Let's get right into it. Here's Dee. Hey, Dee. So happy to have you. Hi, Janelle. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So just to kick things off, I like to ask folks for their elevator pitch, or as I like to call it, your professional power statement. Do you think you could give us yours? My name is Dee Arthur. I am a technical sorcerer and fiction writer located in Buffalo, New York. Um, you know, my background is really across uh, a lot of different people functions in recruiting, learning and development. At the same time, I'm a fiction writer who focuses on kind of dark, funny, queer stories. And I'm really the most happy, I think, at kind of like the intersection of those things. I love storytelling. I love talking to people and especially working in a technical source or role, finding talent. I really love, you know, I work in the tech industry right now. Um, and I love finding folks from underrepresented groups and also, you know, bringing people into kind of work environments where they can find community in unexpected places. I mean, at my current company, I've been really happy to actually find a lot of LGBTQ community at my work in a way that's been really refreshing after taking three years away from the workforce to be a caretaker freelancer from 2018 until early 2021. That's so beautiful. And we will get into the significant time away that you decided to take from full-time work. But before we do that, I would love to hear a little bit more about how you found yourself now in at the end of 2021, almost 2022, to be able to say, I am a technical sourcer, I show up in these HR and people-focused spaces, and I'm a fiction writer. How did you end up in this space where you are doing both? 
Yeah. So a lot of it is say it and you make it real. Um, To be completely honest, I, I feel like in my time away from the corporate world, I was kind of the to use a term that I don't always love, um, especially after going through some hard things. But the silver lining uh, was that, you know, I had some more time to kind of focus on my writing. I was able to really create kind of a platform myself as a writer. I got some really great pieces published. I was able to put some energy there. So now that I started working full-time again at the beginning of 2021, um, I actually started at my company as a recruiting coordinator. And I'm sure we'll kind of talk about that a little bit as we kind of talk about leaving work and coming back to it. You know, I took what I considered a pretty lateral slash almost step back and kind of taking um, my current, the job at my current company, but I was able to get promoted in nine months. And I didn't write for a lot of this year because of work and also because of, you know, personal loss and, and grief. But I still consider myself a writer and this was good timing. So let's start from the beginning. Tell us about the time that you chose to take a personal break from your professional career? Yeah, so I so I chose to take a break in 2018. I graduated from undergrad in 2014, so I'd been in the workforce for about four years. I was in a unique and, and, and this is kind of the hard thing, you know, in hindsight, I think if I knew that I was going to be taking a break, I might've approached my career a little bit differently in the first four years, but I spent the first four years after undergrad really making lateral moves. So right out of college, I was a recruiting coordinator at Google for about 18 months. And then I moved from the Bay Area back to the East Coast to be closer to family. Um, And I was in New York where I worked as a talent acquisition coordinator at Rag and Bone. And I I didn't have the best experience in that industry and kind of ended up chalking it up to like, "Mm, I don't know if I like recruiting which is what led me to take a role at NBC Universal as a coordinator in talent development, which is how I know Janelle. <laughs> and, you know, so I, I had these three different roles that were all pretty much the same in level. Um, I was at NBC Universal for two years. I really enjoyed it. But early, it was March of 2018, and I was starting to think about, you know, what's next. I kind of missed the tech industry. I kind of missed recruiting. I wasn't getting promoted as quickly as I thought I deserved to be promoted. You know, I, I was four years into my career and hadn't really gotten a step up. And I'd also taken some pay cuts and, and different shifts because I was this early career, like, I'm just going to find my passion. And then I was like, maybe I could have been having a little bit more forward momentum. And then I was actually in the process of interviewing for a technical recruiting role working at a startup with a coworker and mentor from Google. And it was going to be kind of my first big step up. I was going to be, you know, getting a promotion, getting a really solid pay bump. And unfortunately, the day that I got my verbal offer, I also got the call that my mom was diagnosed with a stage four lung cancer. So worst, most like obvious bonk on the heads crossroads of my life. Um, I'm from Buffalo, New York. My mom was in Buffalo. My family was there. Um, And within, honestly, that day, I, you know, I was grateful that the person who was giving me the job offer was someone I knew personally. So I got to just basically say like, hey, I'm sorry, I I can't take this. I, I can't, I can't work at all. I, I, you know, it, it felt 
sort of, it almost didn't feel like a decision. I just couldn't imagine a reality where I did anything other than stop working and be there for my mom. Uh, So I put in my notice and, you know, within two weeks, I was done with my job at NBC Universal. I obviously did not take that other job. And I was, you know, preparing to move back to Buffalo, New York, where I have been since 2018. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing all of that right off the bat. And that's a really big, mature decision to make four years out of college, right? When we're in in that time in our careers, we, we are thinking about how can I get promoted? How can I make this next big step? What is my career going to look like? And all of a sudden we get a, to use your word, like bonk on the head reality check. No, other things need to be dealt with. Other things need to be addressed. This is not just about my next step in my career. There are very real other things happening elsewhere. What was the next day like after your last day at NBC Universal? Yeah, it was really strange. I was actually in this weird place too where I didn't fully move home right away. I was closing out my lease. I was driving back and forth from New York City to Buffalo and kind of, you know, leading into the conversation about, you know, having a corporate job and also being creative. You know, when I left my job at NBC Universal, I was also in the comedy scene in Brooklyn. I was producing shows. I was hosting things. So it was kind of this strange thing where I also was, you know, I wrapped up my full-time job, but I also had to pass off these like producing and hosting gigs that I was doing around Brooklyn and say goodbye to my friends and and really pack up my life and my dog and my apartment and go back to a city that I hadn't lived in since I was in high school and, you know, had kind of like in some ways like that stereotypical, like worked really hard to like move out of it and be in the big city. And I found myself, you know, one of my big things was like, I was going to get an apartment, I wasn't going to live in my parents house. (laughs) Just because, you know, as I love my mom, and I wanted to be back there helping her. But I also hadn't lived at home since high school. And even when I would like go back to visit, I had that little bit of a like, you feel like a kid again thing. And I like wasn't ready for that. I don't know, my life like, went from like, so fast to kind of like, stopping. And that inertia was definitely like a really strange feeling. I mean, stopping, my life didn't stop. You know, I I obviously kind of had a lot of other focus, but it was, it was very strange to very quickly go from this like certain pace of life and, and certain type of life to being like at home with my mom helping empty medical drains and watching uh, The Price is Right. It was in the middle of the day. It was just a very different um, pace of life. Yeah, it sounds like whiplash in a way. So you mentioned before that it didn't even feel like a decision for (laughs) you to pass on this job offer that you had been hoping for to pack up your very full life in Brooklyn, to pass on these other creative responsibilities and associations, group ties, didn't feel like a decision because there was something else that obviously needed your attention. What would you say though was the hardest part about the conscious decision to step away from that life that you were building and take this time off? 
yeah I feel like I sound like I don't know like such a like selfless like noble person being like there was no decision but like it sucked um and I think that's something that I have really had to grapple with it's something I really had to grapple with when I started applying to jobs again which was a really difficult decision to make which I I am sure we will talk about quite a bit and it just like it did feel kind of unfair I don't know like like, why, why do I have to do this? Like, why did this happen to me? And that's so selfish, because my mom was going through something so awful. But it was really difficult to be like, I have to, like, give up, like, kind of, in some ways, it felt like this whole life that I had built. At that age, when we feel like we are built in the process of building something, and there's so much potential there, I don't think there's anyone who would be in that situation who would have those thoughts yeah. why is this happening to me and like feel a sense of I have to do this. I think that it's extremely a universal thought that would happen to most yeah. human beings who are yes. not like Martha Teresa. Yeah. <laughs> so. And honestly, to be like candid and really personal, I I am a lesbian and I didn't come out until my late 20s. And that was something that like would I mean, I think it, I mean, it would have happened. It's who I am. But like New York was such a big part of that. And being in these specific like social queer scenes in Brooklyn. And I was really kind of like just starting to come out to myself and my friends and realizing that in Brooklyn, I remember at my going away party, I told this girl that I had a big crush on her and she shut me down. But it was like, I think that was also difficult too, where I had to go home and I mean, I have a very complicated relationship with Buffalo's queer scene now, living here for three years and being out and having a fiance. But it did kind of feel like I was going back to this place where I never actively felt like Buffalo kept me in the closet. But in hindsight, I'm like, hmm, like, did it? So I think that was kind of a difficult thing, too, where it was like, it was basically like, okay, I'm getting thrown back into, like, my teenage life, (laughs) which wasn't all great. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. like, I'd move for a lot of reasons. I s- relate so, so hard to that. Well, the, the moving back home part, uh, like mm-hmm. listeners know that I moved from San Francisco Bay Area back to New Jersey at the beginning yeah. of this year and can so relate to those all those Russia feelings. Like I work so hard to not be here anymore. How the hell am I finding myself right back in this place that I thought I would never be in again? Would you mind sharing a little bit more about that coming out process and how Buffalo perhaps facilitated that? Yeah. So honestly, at first I thought I was like, bye. And now I'm like, no, I'm gay. Um, So I actually moved to Buffalo and I ended up having a really awful boyfriend, um, which in hindsight, I'm like, oh my God, I moved home. I was taking care of my mom and I met this guy on Hinge like right away. And we were only together for a few months, but it was like really intense. And I think a large part of that was because I was like dealing with this really awful thing with my mom and I didn't have any friends and I just needed someone. But luckily we broke up. It was um, like not a good situation. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I think what helped honestly less than like Buffalo and being in Buffalo was really my writing you know, writing really helped me kind of like explore my queerness and having that possibility of just like, I don't know, I was working on an adult novel that ended up in a drawer, but it had a lot of really queer themes. And I feel like it was 
like, I guess the, the plus side to kind of being a Buffalo was having more time for just like introspection. And yeah, I was kind of using my writing as sort of like a way to tee it up. I, I came out to my mom in 2019 in the fall. And then I actually, I actually met my partner back in New York City. Um, I was visiting, we met on Tinder. It was like, we thought we'd never see each other again. And then they happened to be visiting Buffalo because they went to undergrad here. The following week, they just like had plans to visit and they ended up staying in my apartment. Um, it was like a full like lesbian stereotype. Our second date was like four days long um, and they were sleeping in my home. And then even wilder, that was early 2020. We started dating long distance. And then in March 2020, they came for two weeks to quote unquote, ride out the pandemic. Um, and Cut two months, two years later. Yeah, they have not left. We are engaged. Uh, we're still in the same apartment. They're going to law school in Buffalo. Mazel. Yeah, it's like, who knows? But yeah, it's like, if I hadn't been in Buffalo, maybe this like, freak chain of events wouldn't have happened and I wouldn't have had my fiance. So I so believe that that is just how life works. Like that is so life. Something that my therapist once told me is just like, that's so life. And it's really Mm -hmm. the only way to to explain things. But first of all, congratulations on your engagement and your partner being in law school. Those are huge life events. And it also sounds like you were juggling, okay, this very traumatic experience with your mom, Mm -hmm. the feelings of being back in your hometown without the most pleasant experiences, give or take, starting a brand new relationship that started long distance, getting into writing, which is a passion and a vehicle for like a lot of your creativity. That's a lot happening. Can you even imagine having a full-time job on top of all of that? No. And that's like, I don't know. I think sometimes like when I'm particularly hard on myself, I'm like, wow, I didn't do anything for three years. And that's just like a lie. (laughs) You know, I wrote a full draft of a novel that's not very good. And I don't think anyone will ever read it. But like I did that. I'm the type of person where I like to stay busy. And like I wanted to you know, like, yeah, like find those opportunities to stay productive and do things that felt good in that hard time. Um, especially in the summer of 2019, my mom was pretty stable. So I interned on a presidential campaign. Um, I spent the summer in New Hampshire interning for Elizabeth Warren. I was in my late 20s and all the other interns were like college students. My boss was 23 years old and I was like, I, uh, there's never gonna be another time in my life when I can do this. Uh, So I did it. I lived with this like sweet couple in New Hampshire. It was actually when I was going through the breakup with a bad boyfriend. And I just like drove around the woods of New Hampshire knocking on doors and like listening to podcasts. (laughs) And um, so I mean, like, that's the thing too. It's like I had these experiences that I wouldn't have been able to have with a full time job. Um, And I think that's something that like my mom really wanted for me too. you know, I was able to go to some really great like writing retreats and residencies that were like, you know, a week long. And like, I got to just like go travel and do that. I did like freelance work. I did odd jobs in the summer. 
right after my mom was diagnosed, when I like still had my lease in New York City and was like, I need to like close out this lease. I worked as a scavenger hunt leader in New York City for this company that basically just did like birthday parties and parties for like rich kids. So I was like leading scavenger hunts at like the Bronx Zoo for bar mitzvahs. Sure, as one does. (laughs) Yeah, I got like life experience that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And like caring for my mom was a, a job. I was at the hospital all the time. I was her chauffeur. You know, she was not able to drive. Um, but also like what a great job where I got to like spend this time with my mom going out to breakfast and like obviously it wasn't pleasant like sitting in hospital waiting rooms, but just like I don't know, it was like a job to like take her to home go. <laughs> that that was my duty, whatever that means. And I think that's an experience a lot of people like don't have. And I don't know, I think having that is something that I am like grateful for. And that was a big reason why I moved home was like to help, but also just to like have that time. Um And unfortunately, my mom did pass. My mom, unfortunately, died of COVID earlier this year. And I am so glad that I did have that time. And, you know, I think that makes even in my most like frustrated moments, like I no part of me regrets like moving back. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so sorry to hear about your mom. But thank you so much for sharing the experiences that you you shared with her. What would you say were the resources that were the most helpful for you that you found during that three-year period? I mean, therapy. (laughs) Definitely. I love my therapist. I've had more than one, but they've been great. The one I have right now is really excellent. Um, You know, I think, and, and this is something that I value so much, especially, you know, since the pandemic, I got really good at maintaining long distance friendships. Like I candidly, I don't have a ton of friends in the city I live in. And that's difficult, but I have so many amazing friends. And I think like a selfish part of me was like when everyone started like staying inside, I was like, oh good, all my friends are doing like online comedy shows and online game nights. I got to go to all these like online readings that normally like just would never have come to Buffalo. So I feel like just kind of like having that community virtually and getting really good at having community virtually is something that I am like incredibly grateful for. And just my writing too, like having something that like felt really joyful and felt like something I got to do for myself in a time where like my life wasn't really mine for a while was something that was really valuable and then of course you know meeting my partner Gray is something I'm incredibly grateful for and you know they didn't unfortunately they didn't get to know my mom very long but you know they were such an amazing support for me and my mom you know throughout all of 2020 and they are very just generous and sweet and would go to the appointments and drive us around. And, you know, my partner and I kind of single-handedly did all of the like Christmas shopping and wrapping and cooking for my family (laughs) at the end of last year, which was very huge because my partner is Jewish and does not celebrate Christmas. So they stepped up big time (laughs) to, you know, be Arthur family, Santa Claus. and, And yeah, they're just... I love them very much. And so, I mean, yeah, that's the, I don't know. My therapist is always like, you know, getting into the spiral of what ifs is bad. And I do it a lot because 
I did kind of, you know, go down this, this different path, but she's always like, well, you can do the what if game, but like, if you'd done that, maybe you wouldn't have met Gray. And I'm like, okay, fine. (laughs) When you're talking about the last few years and going to home goods with your mom and going to breakfast and having Gray dress up as the Arthur family Santa Claus, even though they celebrate Annika. I see from where I'm sitting now and what I hear is like a complete, just different perspective on a well-rounded life. I'm wondering if that feels true to you. If you feel like you have a different perspective, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what does it now mean to you? Yeah, I think so. I don't want to say in Buffalo, but I know I will for at least a little bit because there are still things to do. I need to clean up my mom's closet. My partner started law school here because they chose to only apply to school in Buffalo because we thought we'd be taking care of my mom. You know, so I think kind of like the practical application of that is that I have a remote full-time job and I don't foresee a world in which I would ever really take a job that would be tied to a location just because I think that you can't plan for things. I think at some point it might be nice to be like more proximal to an office to have that kind of culture. But like, I don't know, I think that's the thing that maybe people don't talk about enough is that like work from home and remote flexibility isn't just like a perk like it's kind of vital for a lot of people in terms of and I work in recruiting and I do hear it you know a lot of people don't want to work remote because they don't want to be in the office they want to work remote because they want to be in a city that is not a hub for tech companies in my industry and that's where their aging parents are that's where their kids are going to schools working in recruiting, we talk a lot about like diversity and inclusion and belonging. And I think letting people work where they want to live is like such a huge thing. Like, I don't think there's enough conversation around like how like certain like industry hubs are actually like a huge barrier for a lot of people who can't afford or like want to live in certain areas. Like, I'm now kind of like going off down a tangent, but like San Francisco and New York and these cities that we've lived in are, even if you have a well-paying job, can be incredibly inaccessible for folks who don't have generational wealth, who don't have fallback plans, who don't have someone to co-sign their lease. And I think, you know, the more that companies realize that and, you know, realize that it's not just like a fun perk, it's also just like an opportunity for people who couldn't actually even afford to take those jobs to like have those opportunities. 100%. Yeah. It makes yeah. so like, much I sense. I feel like that like, like <laughs> sort of somewhere very different, but it turned into my philosophy on like remote work, but I don't know. So it's so like, apt though. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, like, it's so apt though. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't care how good your pay is. Like, well, at the end of the day, a lot of people just like could not afford to live in these cities anymore. And it's really sad. <laughs> How else have your personal values around work and career changed over the past couple of years? Yeah, I mean, I definitely like don't take things seriously to the same extent. You know, I work really hard. I'm a perfectionist. I think I'm excellent at my job and I do get stressed. But like, 
at the end of the day, I know that nothing I'm doing is life or death. Uh, And I think that that's a perspective that is really helpful. Like if I want to take a step back and take a walk, like that's fine. So just in terms of timeline, I actually, I went back to work in January of 2021. Unfortunately, because my mom was more stable actually, and she had a nurse and I thought like, hey, this is my life. I'm going to start a job and and this is where I want to be. And then my mom you know, went to the hospital, got sick, like only a month and a half into my new job. And then three months in, I had to take a month of bereavement. And I was able to do that. I'm very lucky to work for a company where like they had bereavement, and my team was really generous. Like the biggest thing is like, I didn't care. You know, like there was a little like twin. I'm going to do it anyway. Of like, I just started this job and like, oh, is it bad to request the full four weeks? But then like the other side of me was like, my mom died. And hopefully that's like one of the worst things that's ever going to happen to me. And like, this is like what I need to do. And also like during my bereavement, um, it was my partner's birthday. And like, we went on a trip and like, just enjoyed life. And I think at first I was like, oh, how should I be spending my bereavement? And it's like, I don't know. A lot of it was spent just like doing literally nothing. I mean, a whole week of it was like services and family stuff. But yeah, like a lot of it was like my partner and I, we like went to Portland and we celebrated their birthday and we went to this tulip festival that was like beautiful and we got matching tattoos and we just like enjoyed it. Uh, and like since coming back to work, I work at a place with unlimited vacation, which is always a double-edged sword. And like I've definitely had my moments of like, well, should I be taking that much vacation? I took a month off, and then I'm like, that wasn't vacation. <laughs> like it was that not. was something yeah. different. <laughs> Absolutely, it's it's more than okay. It's like you are not just your job, yeah. and your job is not you. Like that that's not life. Life is the moment that happens like, hey, let's take a trip to celebrate your birthday and honor this thing that we just went through and move forward in a way that feels good for us. So I would really love to know if you could go back to 2018 and talk to Dee in 2018, what you would tell them. Yeah, that is a really good one. It's like really tough. And I think about it a lot. I think I definitely would tell them that they did the right thing. I think if I could go back further, to be completely candid, I think I would have told my work self to try and get promoted somewhere. You know, I don't don't regret like making lateral moves and exploring. But like at the end of the day, I don't know. I think like I, and I was privileged to be able to do this, but I think I undervalued my own pay and like getting like more money. (laughs) And I didn't know that I was going to be taking time away from work, but I took time away from work and I would have been in a more comfortable, like financial place to do that if I had gotten promoted. And I think too, so when I was applying to jobs, um at the end of 2020 applying to jobs during a pandemic with a three-year gap on your resume is not necessarily something I recommend (laughs) but I did it but I was applying for jobs that I felt I was qualified for that were like a next step I had four years of work experience I had strong work experience I'd worked at good companies so I was applying for like specialist and program manager and recruiter and sourcer jobs and it isn't to say that I could never have gotten those. 
but I wasn't getting them. <laughs> and I ended up, and, and I actually talked to the person who was going to offer me the job right when my mom got sick. And, you know, there's like a mentor to me and we had like a really good conversation and they did help me like prep for like some, you know, I was talking to some startups to take on like a full like recruiter role and just like nothing was working out in terms of headcount. And I also got some good perspective on just like taking a recruiting coordinator role and like, I'm glad I did it. It was the right thing to do, but it also kind of sucked. You know, it was like, I, it was, I literally took the job that I had taken right out of college in terms of just like core role. The flip side of that is that, I mean, A, this is advice anyone who takes time away from the market, like definitely ask for a lot more money than you think you should be asking. Um, so like A, I had years of experience and B, the market had just changed a lot since 2018. I did take on the role that I had out of college, but I was still making more money than I'd ever been making. So like there was perspective on that. I don't know. It felt like kind of crappy sometimes being like, wow, like in my worst moments, like I was like, it almost feels like I was kind of being like punished by the corporate world for taking time to take care of my mom. It felt like, okay, I had to start my career from square one. Um, and I was getting like rejected from jobs that I felt overqualified for. And maybe that was also coming through in my interviews, but like I made it to the final rounds for recruiting coordinator role at another pretty large tech company where I'd been referred and I didn't get it. And I felt so embarrassed. <laughs> so mm -hmm. totally I don't know. So maybe that's that. like yeah. bad advice. But like, I do think it, I wish I would have balanced like forward momentum with exploring new opportunities. Because yeah. I was taking on more responsibility. I was growing in scope. But in like a crappy reality thing, because I only ever had coordinator titles on my resume, I just wasn't getting looked at for something that was like more specialist or more above that coordination level, even though I'd done the work. Right. What was that perspective that your mentor at the other company shared with you about taking these roles? Yeah, I think like he also said it with the perspective of like knowing that I have a lot to offer. He was very much like, hey, you're going to get in the job and you're going to prove yourself. And I did that. So, so it's hard because it's like... It stunk, but I was able to do it. Right. <laughs> so that's kind of like the catch-22 there and, and ultimately ended up like working out really well. But there were some really frustrating times. I also, I, I had a manager at my current company who is no longer at the company aside from no longer being my manager since I've moved into a new role who like wanted to put me on like an 18-month career plan for promotion into the role that I'm in now. And I was just like, After I don't want to do that. And I was like, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> like, it was like, I like, I don't. I already did this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I I like, I've already done this. I, I, like, I can I've done do the job. So many times I can do the job. And when I was able to move into the role I'm in now, like that was a lot of how I kind of like amped myself up. Like I moved from coordination to sourcing and before I was even in my sourcing role, I was able to close a high-level candidate for one of our roles that was top priority from an underrepresented population. So it's like I was doing the work before I even moved into the role that I'm in now. And I'm really lucky that it was recognized. And I do have a great manager now who I also have been able to like talk to really candidly about like, hey, 
Like I've basically flat out told her, like, I feel behind. I am almost 30. I'm getting married. I had these years where I was like making some money from like these internships and odd jobs and things, but like my I don't really have much savings. Like my earning potential is a lot lower than it should be right now. And like I've been able to really candidly have those conversations with her. Because um, also when I got this promotion, like the pay bump wasn't really what I wanted it to be. I'm like, that was a hard conversation. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't have been able to get this job somewhere else <laughs> um, because I hadn't course, yet gotten that title. And I did feel like I was able to have like that really candid conversation around like, hey, I'm in kind of a crappy situation and I don't think it's fair. And I am very grateful to have people who I think see that. And I'm very grateful to have a manager now who is very concretely like, hey, here are the steps to get you promoted as soon as possible within the structures of our company. Mm, That's really, really important. And so unfortunately, not a lot of folks have those types of managers or sponsors within their organizations. So it's really encouraging to hear that you do that you do have Mm -hmm. that. Before we wrap up this conversation, I would still love to learn a little bit more about your writing and what you're doing outside of work and how that's kind of progressed. Yes. So yeah, the big thing now, I mean, honestly, I did have a hard time writing for a while. And that's something that I'm like still kind of grappling with is just like my relationship to my writing and myself as a writer since losing my mom. Um, but I really like just as a reader, actually, I like was a super avid reader. I read so much in the years when I wasn't working full time. And then I found myself in this place where like, hey, even before I started work, just like the pandemic was like really messing with my intention span. I like wasn't able to like really get into books in the same way. I wasn't finishing books. I actually found myself like picking up like young adult books like because they were faster paced I could just like get into them they were fun um and I also as someone who came out later in life was like there's so much amazing like queer young adult literature and I was like I don't know it's like this kind of fun escapist thing to be like wow what if I'd been like this like cool out teenager (laughs) um so like reading those books I think has been really valuable and kind of as I've been like I can't write like writing is hard I've sort of tried to take a step back and be like, okay, like what kind of writing would be like really joyful and like feel fun um, and feel like something that I'm like lucky that I get to do instead of feeling like something I have to do. I don't have as much time now that I'm working full time and I am lucky to kind of have that where usually, you know, my meetings aren't until after like they start around noon. So I have mornings and I do have the flexibility to kind of, you know, get my work done on a schedule that makes sense for me. Um, so I've started writing a young adult novel. It's in very early stages, but it's this like queer magic hockey novel. <laughs> so did not expect like, the word hockey to come. Yeah, to come in there. like the basic premise is like, and and I also too have been. I was a huge Harry Potter fan growing up, and I've been really disappointed in J.K. Rowling and her stance on the trans community just as someone who like cares about those things. And I, so I've kind of also been like challenging myself to like 
find a new young queer wizard canon in terms of the things that I'm reading. And then I was also kind of like, what if I do that also in my writing? And like, what if I'm like, hey, what is the book that I would have wanted as a young person instead of Harry Potter that kind of like fills those like delightful little buckets? So the general story is about this girl who's an out lesbian and goes to a boarding school for hockey and then like learns that they're all like magic. Okay. Uh, pre-order for me right now. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> I think yeah. you said a couple of really cool things there. One is that you are approaching writing and this really creative outlet as something that can be joyful and something that is supposed to be joyful instead of something that you have to do. And That I feel like is something that is easy for folks who are passionate about something outside of their day job or outside of the way that they make their primary income to lose sight of in in that like you're doing this because it does bring you joy. And you're doing this, yes, because you perhaps you want to master a craft and that does require diligence and practice and doing some things that you don't want to do. But we're doing it in the in the grand scheme of things is because it is joyful and it adds to our identity and our sense of self. So I love that you caught that out and that you are also seeing this as an opportunity to fill some sort of void that you wish you had had and perhaps be that person to someone else. And thank you so much for everything. Appreciate you. As always, thank you for listening to The Audacious Career. If this episode resonated with you, please take 15 seconds to rate and review the podcast. It really, really means the world. Connect with me over at Janelle Abrahami on Instagram and at The Audacious Career. And remember, you are entirely up to you.